Hey everybody, this is Nate Smoyer, and you're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. This is the show where we sit down with the leaders in real estate and technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. If you've got an interest in real estate and technology, stick around. You're in the right place. Before we get started, a quick word about our sponsor, Offer to Close. Offer to Close is a transaction coordinator service helping agents get more transactions from contract to close. Spend less time doing the paperwork and more time on your business. Learn more at OfferToClose.com. If you're listening to the show, then you know tech is changing all industries and fast. The rental property industry is not immune to this at all. And thanks to our sponsor, XBased, for helping us shine a light on all the services and companies out there changing the real estate landscape. Go ahead and learn more at xspaced.com. That's X-S-P-A-C-E-D.com, Xspaced, the future of rentals for landlords and tenants. All right, I'm really excited for this show that we have for you today. We've got co-founders Daniel and Matthew from Listing Village. They've built a product that uh, they are not ashamed to say they believe will take out Zillow. I know that's a big statement to say. It's very bold. But look, these guys have gotten accepted into the startup school by Y Combinator. Uh, They've really built what I believe is a very customer-centric tool that's low cost for agents. And they're helping agents take their listings and advertise them in a very smart and efficient way. So why don't you stick around? Let's jump right into the episode here. We have two guests joining us. I'm going to let both of them introduce themselves and share about what they're working on. Gentlemen, take it away. I'm Matthew Young. I'm a CEO of Listing Village. I've been building custom software applications for over a decade. And uh, I started this because I have a lot of friends and family in real estate. And they really just wanted their own website with a Zillow-like map. And that's how this thing kind of got started. Yeah, my name is Daniel Schroeder, and I, I'm the CEO of Listing Village. And over many boxes of wine with Matt and our team, got to know them over the years at a at a, at a uh, work sharing space that we that I worked in. And really, the thing that I, I was so impressed by was these guys had built something that that worked so well. Because you talk to a lot of people, and they've got these ideas, but our team had already built everything. And was already like had an amazing product. And I was like, man, this is something people need to hear more about. And so that's that's why I'm so excited to tell people about it. Yeah. I, first, thank you guys for taking the time to share with me more about Listening Village, what you're doing, what you're working on, problems you're trying to solve. Um, I think it's kind of cool. I want to share with people how we got connected because I thought that's kind of cool. So I booked a trip to Palo Alto. I came down. Uh, I had a few things going on. And I stayed at an Airbnb, shout out Startup Embassy. And you guys had stayed there too. And we got connected through their Slack group. Like we never even met at the Airbnb. You guys had stayed there previously. We must have been coming and going. Because we were there for the uh, Inman Connect conference, both all of us. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because I I ended up moving to downtown San Francisco into a hole in the wall and regretted every day I stayed there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's a big difference from going to this, like, really cool house with lots of cool, like brilliant hacker folks and hanging out with them, like right off this, right off this, like the main drag there in, in Palo Alto to San Francisco, where you got to have to like, I don't know if you've seen this thing, they've got, they've got an app where they keep track of the poop in San Francisco. 
Sorry, am I way off script for that? But that's what happened. We literally <laughs> planned our entire stay in San Francisco around avoiding. No, what I really want is can you please find out who runs that app and make an introduction? I want to have them on the show. We'll, we'll find them, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but San Francisco is a beautiful town, but they're like, but we, we had the same experience because we stayed in San Francisco too, and we were like, oh, can we just get back to Palo Alto? This was much better. Yeah, yeah. Those are cool people. So uh, literally, our thought was you, you posted something about, about, tech nest and i was like this guy stayed there everybody we met there is really cool we need to meet this guy yeah so that's how we ended up talking yeah yeah i don't know how they let me through the filter of uh qualifying to stay at that uh airbnb slash incubator but uh wonderful experience being there and also can we take a minute aside to congratulate you guys on getting accepted to startup school by y combinator Thank you. Yeah, that was really uh, dejecting for a second and then really exciting. <laughs> I'm sure people have read about this, but they had a glitch in their system. Everybody who was accepted got an email that said you were rejected, and everybody who was on the other side of that got an email that said they were accepted. And then very quickly after that, they everybody got a reverse email. So I was literally sitting at my desk over here uh, over my left shoulder, and Matt said, hey, come over here and read this. And I, I read this email that said, I'm sorry, but you uh, have not been accepted. And I'm like, and I started wheeling my chair back over to my desk. And Matt's like, wait, there's more. <laughs> and so he, I opened up this email. I was like, please disregard that last email. You were actually accepted and we're really sorry. Uh, you're invited to join the advisor track. And we're like, oh, this is awesome. Cause like we listen to the YC podcast. Um, it's, it's like playing basketball with Michael Jordan. Like that, that is the place to go if you wanna, if you wanna grow your company. Yeah. And startup school is a great feeder for that. So we were really excited about, about being part of that. Yeah. Well, congratulations for you guys on uh, getting in. Congratulations to everyone else who got rejected, but then got in. Uh, <laughs> you guys will have a big class. <laughs> That's a little chaotic, but luckily we're, since we're in the advisor track, we've got somebody who's been through YC that's organizing our good. group. So they've actually done a really good job, especially with the advisors of like, they've even separated out our, cohort and to manageable groups where we actually get time uh, yeah. with the person that's been through that program. Good. So let's jump into it. Let's talk through Listing Village. I know you kind of talked about it a little bit in the immediate intro there, but uh, let's boil it down. What's the big problem you're trying to solve? Well, you kind of think of the real estate industry over the last 30 years, drag their feet on technology. Brokers weren't really keen to share <laughs> listings information. And all of a sudden this allowed Zillow, Realtor.com, Trulia to kind of come in the market and act like a national MLS. And basically the agents and the brokers were giving away their data. And it was just because, you know, real estate agents are, you know, a lot of times just focused on getting the next deal and building a platform like that, of course, is extraordinarily expensive. Yep. And so now you've got, these platforms like Zillow, they're acting like an expensive middleman between the real estate agent and the home buyer. So we see it as our job to build technology tools for individual real estate agents that enable them to work directly with their home buyers and eliminate the need for that middleman. Yeah. Yeah. And I can, I can agree. Having worked as a, as a real estate agent, um, you know, my job in the morning was to get my appointment for the day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and then it was go on the appointment in the afternoon uh, and get another appointment. And then you have some paperwork and you have some follow-ups and, you know, you like to pretend that going to the bar for the social is actually doing work. Uh, and then when are you going to build some technology tools? You know, yeah. this is, I think a problem that has been just kicked down the, 
down the road. Uh, so it's good that uh, some companies are taking up the initiative. What was, and you also alluded to this, but what was the journey that led to actually forming, like create, say, hey, Listing Village is going to be a thing and we're moving forward with this. Is this going to be a real product? Well, I've been building web applications for years. Nowadays, you can run anything through a web browser. You don't need to download an app. You don't need right. to run on Mac and PC and trying to keep you know track of all the updates. And I kept talking to real estate agents and they're like, well, I've got this site, but either A, does it work on mobile or B, it only shows like a couple of listings. And Zillow and Trulia and Realtor.com have kind of set this expectation for the home buyer of what they should be able to do when searching for a home online. Right. And asked me, can you build me a Zillow? And about three <laughs> years, Mr. Jacob Fry's time later, uh, we have a Zillow map and except that every single listing has the individual agents information on it. So you're not competing with a bunch of other agents. You can build your brand. It's mm. your website, your web domain, and it basically gives control back to the real estate agent of that home search process. So when you're looking at my, so I'm the agent, right? And I send you an email, say, hey, take a look at some of these listings mm -hmm. and you're looking through them. You're not seeing any other agents information on those pages. You're only going to see my stuff. Yes. Now that, and that's one of the beauties of the, of the concept of broker reciprocity. There's a time when agents and brokers literally had like physical books that had the listings, all of, like the printouts of all their listings. And then eventually yeah. like, the listings in the area, you know, and you had to go to a, an agent, an agent had to go to the brokerage and check out a key to do all this. And through the magic of, of the internets and all those beautiful things, we have a, we're, we live in a world now where, homebuyers expect to be able to just like browse on the internet and not just on the internet. They need something that's mobile friendly that they can look at. And it's very easy for their home buyer for the home buyer to just scroll through. And it's as easy as, as any other e-commerce shopping experience for them. Yeah. And the existing technology tools are, they, they do that, but they bring other problems to the, to the front when forefront, when that happens, like Zillow spends tens of millions of dollars advertising, you know, spending money on Super Bowl ads, all sorts of stuff, and their ads are just spot on. They're so good. Like they, they really illustrate the journey of the home buyer. But it's kind of ironic. They almost never feature their main customer, which is a real estate agent. Right. And that's and that's kind of, it's I don't know how intentional that is. I mean, you spend tens of millions of dollars on advertising, you probably had a plan behind it. But mm -hmm. part of the problem with that is that they're actually kind of adversarial with with uh, with their main customer, which are which are real estate agents. And the main reason for that is they send, they send, uh, exactly. They send agents that an agent sends their home buyer to Zillow and Zillow doesn't make any money unless Zillow turns that home buyer into a lead to sell them off to somebody else. They got to sell the lead. That is the product. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so a home buyer in that sense, like we don't like the word lead. I mean, it is literally a four letter word. <laughs> no, no agent, no home buyers ever walked in to an agent's office or called them on the phone and said, Hey, I'm a lead. <laughs> you know, they're individuals who have specific needs and they're real people. Like I, I feel like we get real salesy in our terms sometimes. Yep. And, and I recognize like functionally, like if you meet a new home buyer, they're technically a lead, but to that home buyer, they're not a lead. They're somebody that's very specific needs and mm -hmm. they want to be treated like that. But Zillow literally looks at home buyers as if they're commodities and all, all lead gen things, not all, but most of them look at a home buyer as just something to be packaged up and sold off as a like, back in the day, like a piece of paper, like a Glenn Gary Glenn Ross lead. 
<laughs> that's not what they are. So that's one of the major problems of Zillow. I mean, the other one is, and, and I'll harp on this for just a second. Uh, this, there's a thing we like to call and it's gone. It's basically like, and we see this all the time. Uh, a home buyer's like, they're beep, boop, beep. They're on the internet and they're, they're looking at Zillow and they're like, oh, this is an amazing house. And so they call up their agent and the agent's like, uh, yeah, that house has been off the market for months now. And it's kind of like, if you just like try to personalize, personify that, it's like Zillow's like, oh yeah, it's a great house. You know, it's a uh, three bedrooms, two and a half baths. And it's a great neighborhood. The school looks amazing and it's gone. They're like, what do you mean it's gone? Oh yeah, yeah, we sold that house months ago, but because people liked it and liked the pretty pictures, we kept it on our website. It's like if you go to your grocery store and they've got a sale on like, really great steak or something like that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we sold that a long time ago. We got hot dogs on sale though. Now they, they, they can't actually keep advertising it as available for sale will, willingly if they know it's been sold, right? Well, they'll keep it in their, their system. So for example, you'll get stuff that's under contract that's still on there or you have, you know, right. come off the market and they just haven't removed it yet, but it's really great at generating new leads. And so they'll pass those off to the real estate agents. I yeah, see what and, you're saying. And it's, it's policy. Like it's, it's bait for home buyers mm -hmm. and it works really well. I mean, the homes that sell very quickly are the ones that are, uh, you know, meeting that nexus point of the price is right. Plus that it's got amazing curb appeal, the great neighborhood and all those other things. But those homes go really fast through the market. Mm -hmm but they're really attractive and they look good, but it takes the mm. home buying process. So for an agent, they're like, they're the ones left holding the bag and the home buyers is like their experience in the home buying process isn't the extraordinary one of finding their dream home. It's constantly being let down that all these beautiful homes aren't actually available. Right. So that, I mean, it's just one of the, one of several problems that, that, that these large websites cause for home buyers and for, for agents who are, they're ultimately the ones who have to deal with the fallout from that. Mm. Mm. It really commoditizes the real estate agent themselves as well because yeah. you're up there in a list with like the three other agents and you, you'll talk to home buyers now and they'll go, well, what is the real estate agent doing? I found the house. You know, they forget that agents are essential to the home buying process. You know, you have to have somebody who is an expert in the neighborhood, the market, like, and you need somebody to tell you, well, that's, I know you like that house, but I don't think that, you know, that's going to be a good fit for you long term. You need an advisor to go through that process. Mm. But they're conditioning the home buyer to kind of look at an agent as, you know, just simply transactional. You know, pick one of three, you know, here you go. Whoever gets in the first, <laughs> you know. Well, it's really ironic when you consider how compelling Zillow's commercials are. I mean, there's, those, those, I, I can those. honestly say that I can't recall any and maybe because I don't go to movies or watch a lot of TV. Well, I mean, they, they'll pop up, you know, if you're a nerd about. about I should keep about. talking, say, Z, I'm going to say Zillow into my phone. Zillow. Yeah, 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 give it a second. It'll show up, <laughs> but they're very compelling. It's about like, finding your place in the world and like uh, yeah they're very good but it's like their business doesn't end up meet, matching up with the like the, the warm heart filling ex heartfelt experience mm -hmm. um, but Matt touched on something that I think is really interesting it practically speaking a real estate agent is very important to the home buying process and the reason is if, if you've studied behavioral economics you'll see that the more ex the more rare and expensive a purchase is the more likely somebody is to make a bat make a mistake and so that makes real estate agents worth every penny of their commission because they live day in, day out. They don't make any money unless they sell a house and they spend, they spend lots of their time free of charge, helping you find your dream house home mm. and then making sure like, yeah, I know this looks really great, but this neighborhood's been declining in value the last few years. So if you want to build equity, this may not be the right one. Um, you know, or 
I know that this house will do, but is it really the one you want? And let's, let's spend a little bit extra time because you're gonna be stuck with this for mm -hmm. years. And so that's something that's really important uh, that, I mean, this, this is like demonstrable that it's like, you know, it's like the idea of like the old days when you used to, before you could order a mattress in a box, you went to a mattress store and it's like, you only buy mattresses like every five, what, five or 10 years. And you go in there and they're like, this one's normally $7,000, but today it's only $1,200. You're like, oh, that sounds a really good deal. But it's always like that. Like, you don't know that you buy mattresses all the time. Versus if you go to, this, go to the grocery store and milk is $25 a gallon, you'd be like, wait a second, I just bought milk last week. And so that's one of the problems of, of one of the reasons why real estate agents are so essential to the process. And a home buyer really needs to build a relationship with their agent. And so that's what Listing Village is designed to do is yeah. take the expensive middleman out of the way, let an agent build their own brand, and then ultimately let them build a relationship with their home buyer and have nothing yeah. between them except, you know, they're walking around the house and they're making sure that this is the home that they really want. But so, so many things I want to unpack in there. Um, and that was just wonderful. Uh, I just, I didn't want to stop you. I just wanted to let you keep, keep going. Um, so you, you mentioned, well, you, you, you I, I, I want the marketing nerd in me has to call this out. So you mentioned Zillow, you know, they advertise to the consumer who's not really their ultimate customer. And so I, uh, have you ever noticed how Intel does its marketing? Intel? Yeah. Uh, the, I don't know. I've got a little Intel sticker on my laptop. Right. And why would Intel run TV ads? Intel inside. Remember that for years. Yeah. Yeah. And they sell to who? Gateway and mm -hmm. Dell, you know, all the other customers, but they yeah. do that. It's a, that makes sense. So it's called a pull through strategy. That's the, the marketing nerd inside of me itching to talk about that. And I just love it and wanted to mention it. Um, I'm sorry. That, as a well, it does make sense. I mean, basically the home buyer is conditioned to say, this is where I go to look for homes. Yeah. And they send a link, a Zillow link to their agent. Uh, the key to that is to be able to get to a home buyer somewhere in the process, preferably earlier in the process mm -hmm. and, yep. start, and start showing them homes that they're, they would be predisposed to want prior to them even getting to Zillow. So let's talk about that. When, yeah. when does listing village enter the picture? Uh, so obviously the realtor already has to have a subscription with you guys, have a site set up. How does Listing Village fill it, fit into that picture with the consumer? Well, I mean, the first line, the first line is if you already know the, the home buyer, then you can say, just go to my website, you know, uh, suzysrealestate.com and search there that everything that you're looking for will be on that map. Uh, so that's the first line is, you know, our agents get their own website with their own domain, their own map. Yep. and every listing points their own buyer back to them. So they're never tempted or prompted to try and call somebody else. Uh, but the next part is, is we can literally get out in front of home buyers earlier in the process that, they, that maybe they don't already know. And so we can help, help find them. I mean, Matt can explain that well, a little I mean, better than I can. Google and Facebook have a far larger audience than Zillow will ever have. And they know more about you. Yep. And as we all know, Facebook, uh, records a lot of information about it. <laughs> and so you can use life events and upcoming life events. So they kind of determine when somebody might be primed for purchasing a home or they may be moving. You mm -hmm. can, you know, people, if they start searching oh, information about school districts, but they're not from that area, well, they're looking at moving. They're trying to see what schools 
are the best in an area. And so you can target people before they start their home search process. Maybe, you know, the, looking for a new job, the kids are going to be moving out soon, those kind of things. So basically through life events and the largest marketing platforms on the planet, Google and Facebook, you can target people months before they start going on to Zillow. You drop houses into their feed and start, oh, maybe you should start uh, talking to a realtor who knows the area before, you know, you move. And so then you guys connect. So maybe a consumer finds Listing Village, starts browsing through you guys. Do you help connect them with uh, an area realtor then? No, so we actually advertise. We don't ever want the buying public to have to go through listingvillage.com. It's going to be your real estate site.com and our systems are going to advertise. I see. We're getting like four cents per click right now in Facebook feeds. That's great. And yeah, so I can get people to click on a house. It's pretty, especially when somebody's thinking about moving, it's really, especially with our new systems, it's very easy to get somebody to click. And so we can go out and we can go, well, this person looks like they're about to have a move. You know, looks like they might be thinking about moving. All right, let's plan a few houses in their price range. You know, let's, 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 see, if, let's see if we can tempt them on there. And it'll take them to that particular agent's website. Yeah. I see. I see. Okay. So who agents have the benefit also if they work with you that you guys are proactively marketing listings from their brokerage. Yes. And if that listing generates a lead, it's, it's their listing. It goes directly to them. It's not going around other channels or ways around it. They're going right to the listing agent. Yes. It's unlike Zillow, we're not building our brand, we're building the real estate agent's brand. Like you're not, it's a, we're really saying we're eliminating the middleman. There is, we're not in between you and the home buyer whatsoever. I got it. We're just providing the tools to get you in front of home buyers. Does yeah. that cost more for agents to get that advertising from you? It's the, like I said, four cents per click is what we're averaging right now. And so there's a reoccurring monthly cost that goes out to Facebook and Google for advertising. But I mean, that's completely, an agent could just have you know, $20 a month, they get their own website and, and all the other features that come with it. But it doesn't, it does cost extra, obviously, because we got to pay Facebook and, and sure. Google. Uh, but that's something that there's just a slider and agent can decide how much they how much money they want to put towards this. And if it's a reoccurring, if they if they want to set a reoccurring budget, that's, that's completely up to them how much they want to spend. Got it. Got it. Okay. So uh, are you guys, and, and we'll kind of shift directions a little bit from, from the, from the leads generation. I, I don't, well, if you guys don't call them leads, what do you call them? Home buyers. Home buyers. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll shift directions from the home buyer generation process. <laughs> um, I'm curious, are you guys seeing any um, particular markets uh, taking to this uh, more than others? Or are you seeing adoption, you know, uh, across, uh, across the country? We uh, I mean, in, in terms of like, like area markets, we've, we've spent the last couple of years in, in the mid South, basically, that's just, we're from Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And so we've been ironing out a lot of bugs. We've had, you know, beta in the market for, for a good while now, just to make sure everything works properly. Um, but in terms of like agents themselves, like we have a whole spectrum of agents who are brand new and they're mm -hmm. like, I don't have any, I don't have any listings. What do I do? And so we have a feature called featured homes, which allows them through the beauty of broker reciprocity to spend their own ad dollars to promote another agent's listing. And all it does is allows them to go out and try and find a buyer. But we have some of the highest, uh, highest producers in Arkansas also on our system that mm -hmm. they're like, this is by far the best search map we've seen. And it's our map. So if Omar gets to our map, hmm. I'm not competing against multiple other agents on Zillow. 
And, and that gets to one of the, like one of the other problems is there's lots of IDX feeds out there, but that's a real danger. Like the real danger of those most, uh, every other IDX feed we were seeing is they have a limited search, search capability. Mm -hmm. And where that comes into a problem, something I learned from a friend whose family owns a small chain of supermarkets that he was telling me or asking me if I knew what the number one challenge was for a supermarket. And I had lots of different guesses because I'm a nerd about process. I know this answer. Go, what is it? It's making sure that you never are out of stock of a product. Yes. Because <laughs> they will leave and go to another grocery store and then they won't come back. Absolutely. And you I know, know this person. only because a previous guest on the show just told me this the other day. <laughs> <laughs> really? Nice. Okay. Well, yeah. So, I mean, the only, you're the only person other than people in Bentonville. So, I mean, like Walmart <laughs> were the only ones that knew that answer. Um, and that, that's the same thing with your website. And so, the same thing's true. If you have a, a search map that only shows your immediate area, and in some cases, like, I won't say their names, but there's some very popular IDX companies that will give you a website and all this other stuff. And it only show the immediate area. Well, what if you want to move or think about moving just a little bit out of that area? Like there's some bedroom communities around Little Rock and mm -hmm. you have to leave your agent's website mm -hmm. because you can't look at homes on their map. So now you're back forced back to Zillow. And if you go there and Zillow does their job right, they're going to say, Hey, call such and such agent. And now you're, you've worked with a home buyer and they had to leave because your website map was, was just constrained. And there's a really good chance you're going to lose your home buyer over that. Yeah. That that prompts a thought. Uh, so how how does how do you guys handle? Um, I understand multiple. When you say multiple IDX feeds, you mean are you also meaning multiple MLSs? So cities yeah. that have. Okay, I just want to clarify that. So we're talking. You know, some cities they have in the city itself. Like say, for instance, New York City, obviously very mm -hmm. fragmented. Yeah multiple MLSs, big challenge to be able to keep everything together. So you're able to pull all that in to make sure that map is complete and that if they're looking at one borough versus the next, they're not gonna just draw a blank on their search and have to then eventually jump and use another marketplace. And now you know why it took three years. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it doesn't sound like a small problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, but it's actually one of the nice things too that, uh, Zillow did is it opened up like a lot of these MLSs and we could uh, basically cross share information. So it, it's been, it's been actually a really, that's one of the good things they've done is now people are expecting this ability to search, you know, without having to, Oh, we're going to go to a different site or what was the, what were the other ones we see where the broker will have just the broker listings, okay. which I'm sure yeah. you want to sell your listings, but you know, that they, well, I heard about this. I saw this other house. I was driving by and it's on the site. Bam, back to Zillow. So the money and the time, the social currency you've spent mm -hmm. to get that person on your site is gone and they're back to Zillow again. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the, the realtor's website is going to function better to their pool of buyers mm -hmm. unless they have, uh, they're one of the few that really understand SEO and have an extensive SEO plan and are actively doing search engine advertising. The the inventory listed on their site is really serving their current buyers and it's not, and it's more about generating the, the sale towards buyers rather than selling the, the listing directly through that. Is that not but right? The, the advertising is focused on what you've selected or your current listings. So mm -hmm. when it's out there and it's posting on Facebook and Google and it's following people around the internet going, Hey, check out this house. It's your listings. But yeah. once on the map, just like with the grocery store, we want to make sure that we're showing everything so they don't leave. Because you paid for that click if they come through Facebook. 
Yep. Or you've used social capital. Hey, check out my website. The person goes there and they're like, okay, neat. But it doesn't show that house I know down the block is on sale. So, uh, okay, fine. I'll go back to Zillow. Yeah. It's almost like these IDX feeds are not, they're not supermarkets that are completely stocked. They're like farmer's markets where you only have one item. You only show, <laughs> if you only show your broker listings, which we see a lot, then, yeah. you know, yeah. are, are you really saying I'm not going to sell you anything other than my own listings? Or would you be happy to be the rate, the buyer agent in that, in that transaction? Yeah. And, you know, keep, you know, keep working obviously to sell your own listings, but hopefully, and that's the nice part about it is with, with listing village, other agents are your buyer's agent for your listing. So if another agent has a listing village site and it's got your listing on there, then it's, they're out there spending their, their social capital and their actual money to try to find home buyers. And if that's the, if your listing is the one that their home buyer wants, they found them for you and they're going to bring you a buyer. So it works in both directions. So does listing village get, does it become even better and more powerful than the more realtors within a particular area are using listing village? Does that amplify its, its reach? Yeah, there's a network effect, but a lot of like, especially for agents out there interested in generating uh, new home buyers, you've got Facebook and Google out there, the biggest mm -hmm. audiences on the planet. That you're mm -hmm. able to, you know, target with your listings. But like we're saying, once on the site, you want to make sure you have the full inventory so they don't leave. Yeah. There is definitely a network effect in that every agent that has a, a better map and they're working with their home buyers is is increases the chance that they're gonna find your listing. Mm -hmm. Like got it. So you don't you don't want to you don't wanna be like the old days, like 30, 40 years ago when 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 brokers and agents would, would hide their listings, like they, you know, they call them pocket listings now, you know, before they're on the market, but there was a time when a lot of listings were like that and mm. stayed that way. Like, well, you, if you want to see that house, you got to talk to that guy. Yeah. Yeah. The wood sells in that world. The, the, the wood sells. Uh, I would sell if you bring me a buyer for fill in the blank. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a hundred thousand dollars more than anybody's willing to pay, but thanks. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> Let's, let's talk about uh, how you guys have been able to gain adoption. What's been working uh, to help you guys grow and both see, help uh, you know, connect with agents so they see the full picture and also um, you know, then, then the other side? Because it's really, you're running a two-sided marketplace. You've, you've got to appeal to the consumer, which is really pull through the agent. And then you've got to, the agent has to see the value in the tool. So what's been working to make sure that you're growing both sides so that both sides get the, the right amount of value? That was really my issue in the beginning. We're, as you saw some of the other programmers here, we're really, uh, we're really engineer heavy there for a while. And that's what Daniel's done for us is, you know, help kind of message uh, what we've been building. And so we built an incredible suite of tools, but it was always a problem with me. It was like trying to communicate it because I'm just sitting there talking about, oh, it's got this feature and you can do property tours and you can advertise, you can do all this stuff. <laughs> but it really comes down to it's just a personal Zillow for an individual real estate agent. I mean, and that's been generating through word of mouth so far. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of funny when, when I first looked at the system, <laughs> it was like you looked at the agent's dashboard. So the agent's logged in and you and you open it up and it's like stepping into the cockpit of 747. Like, <laughs> oh crap, I this thing. And so one of the first things we do is like, all right, we have to like turn these, turn these, uh, turn most of these features off and then let an agent unlock them over time. So we've really gamified the inside of the system so that an agent, like they level up as they go up, go along and they get more tools in their belt. Um, mm. But we found that like, Kind of ironically, the less we say, the, the more likely an agent is to buy. 
And the reason is because we're not overwhelming them with features. You see this a lot on uh, SaaS products where they, they're like, they've got this, this matrix of mm -hmm. we do this, this, and this, and this other competitor only does this, this, and this. And so ironically, like we found that people actually are turned off that. I mean, again, in behavioral economics, it's the dilemma of choice. Like you give people too many choices, they will make that they will make the choice not to decide because they don't yep. want to make a bad choice. And so we literally just said, I mean, our, offer a, a we think it's a pretty good value proposition, but still pretty minimal. Like you get your own website with your own domain name, you get your own map that's literally better than Zillow and every every listing on that points your home buyer back to you and that's 20 bucks a month. And compared to several hundred to several thousand dollars a month for maps that are much worse and send your home buyer back to Zillow, it's a pretty good value proposition. So most of our businesses literally come through agents telling another agent like, Hey, your website's amazing. How do I, how do I get one of those? They're like, well, you call these guys. Yeah. I mean, going back to the grocery store, the analysis paralysis, the experiment of, uh, uh, uh I think it's of jams. Was yeah, it? Heard about yeah. That. yeah. The free samples of jams and they did a whole bunch of flavors and I don't remember the, the end result, but I just remember the takeaway, <laughs> which is don't give too many options. Yeah, I had that happen to me. I, I was at a grocery store and they had like this rosemary, strawberry, and like these different flavors and like marmalade, mint, and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, these are all amazing. But there were so many to choose from. I was just like, okay, I don't want to, I don't, you know, I don't I just want to make the decision. And so that's the same thing that happens when yeah. you ask product or, or any kind of product, really. Like if you, People don't buy the best product, unfortunately, nowadays. They buy the one that's easiest to understand. Mm -hmm. so should be, if you got the best product, you really got to like pare it down to the easiest thing that people can understand and let them buy that. Yeah. It's like you never, very rarely in the in Steve Jobs ladders years, did you see him like going off on like, and it's got this kind of processor and all this other stuff. It's like, he didn't describe features. He described like what it, what it did for you. It did. Left it very simple. So, I mean, that's kind of our goal. I mean, I'm not... I don't think we've achieved iPhone yet, but it's kind of a goal of ours is mm -hmm. to make the system as easy and intuitive to use as that. And we're constantly iterating, like getting feedback yeah. and why does it work this way? Why, you know, can you simplify this? And so we're constantly tweaking and yeah. trying to make it once their experience needs to be as extraordinary as their home buyer's experience. That's you're, awesome. You're familiar with uh, Facebook's ad manager, right? Mm-hmm. I yeah. use it every once in a while. So that's <laughs> uh for the individual real estate agent we found, we were first, when we first launched this thing, we're like, I stand behind an agent and he's got an open house. He goes to advertise it and he's like, boost, uh, 50 bucks, 50 miles surrounding everybody, go. And I'm like, not everybody within 50 miles is going to come to this open house. I uh, didn't try to do audiences or any of that. And that's what we're talking about, the complication of the interface. Like for a lot of agents, when you first go into that ad manager, it's an overwhelming number of options. Like how do I yep. get audiences? How do so that's part of what we do in the interface. We just dial it down to, you can expect to get this much traffic and engagement based on spending this much, that's yeah. it. And for the agents that want to go in there and work with the, you know, the ad manager and customize and dial in the audience, they can do that. But for our job is to simplify that and just go here. If you spend this much, Facebook will send us this much traffic. That's good. That's good. I, I, I can appreciate that. Uh, I'm one of those agents where I'd actually know what to ask you. Be like, hey, what's the cost CPM? What are you getting click through rate and all that? But, uh, and I've got so many stories about other services trying to sell me uh, advertising assistance. And then I hit them with those questions and 
Boy, does that go south really fast? Yeah. Know the answer to those questions, but we'll save that for another day. You know, there's not enough hours in the day to keep up with prospecting, developing new deals, inspections, open houses, just all the paperwork that comes with being a real estate agent. It's just overwhelming sometimes. That's why I'm excited that we've partnered up with Offer to Close. Offer to Close is a transaction coordinator service that I believe you've been waiting for. No lengthy contracts with them, no masses overhead, and you only pay when you close deals. Here's how it works. Offer to Close has transaction coordinators that are also licensed agents, so you can have full confidence in who's helping manage your transactions. Offer to Close helps manage your transactions from contract to close, helping you stay focused on your business rather than administrative work. I want you to go ahead and find out more at OfferToClose.com. That's OfferToClose.com, OfferToClose.com. I want to ask, you know, obviously along the way in those three years, you probably have had at least one experiment or one uh, concept that hadn't worked out and yet you had to, okay, hey, that wasn't good. Can you share one experiment or, or one thing you, you were trying that uh, you realized, hey, this isn't going to work. We need to, uh, we need to adjust. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a big believer that attention span is flexible. And I, and I do I believe it's that way to some extent, like people are always saying our attention spans are shortened, but if you really like, you know, if you, I don't know if you're a Star Wars fan, you go see Rogue One and you're like, you're not sitting there going like, I spend 45 seconds, when will this end? You're, you get to the end of it and like, man, that was amazing. I wish I could see more. And so that to me kind of proved the concept that attention span is, is a variable thing. So one of the things that we, we tried early on was, well, let's just make videos to explain how the system works. And, I'm, and Matt's like, yeah, but people got attention span. But I'd be like, yeah, but Star Wars. And he'd be like, yeah, but people got attention span. And <laughs> so I was like, if we just make the video really compelling and nobody watched them. Because <laughs> I was like, I realize I'm not, I'm not J.J. Abrams or George Lucas. And so, I, I, you know, I, so you, may, you can aspire. But we, we had to abandon that. Like we spent an enormous amount of time creating demo videos to show agents how to do things and it would pop up when the, in their dashboard and they would just click exit and they would skip that. Mm -hmm. And through that, like I've, I've been a nerd about gamification for a long time. Yeah. And so we're like, Matt was like, why don't we just kind of gamify the system? I mean, the cool thing about games is they serve almost no real purpose other than entertainment. Like people, people will do things that would otherwise be tedious chores, like dragging and dropping and clicking things over here. Like, but because it has a, a purpose and it's, it's human focused design instead of function focused design, people will do that. And so we've been getting a lot better traction with that, but I, I have to be the first to raise my hand and say, I, I thought it'd be a brilliant idea to make people watch multi-minute videos and they just didn't want to see it. There, there's a great case study with luminosity, uh, the uh, like mind game exercise website. Yeah. They, they specifically capped uh, how many mind games you could play daily because wow. users were burning out uh, and then not coming back. And oh, so they, wow. they did that exactly. They, they tried to find what is the point in this exercise that we can get people to where they want more and keep them right at that point uh, so that they come back. So I, I think that that's a really valuable lesson, obviously, uh, in, yeah, I mean, you know, you believe and always want to believe that your, uh, your product is amazing and interesting. <laughs> In a tutorial or how-to video, that's a tough thing to get someone to sit down and watch. I hope you didn't make it the same length as a Star Wars movie. Oh, gosh. Yes, <laughs> no, I thought about it a lot. I, I put a lot more effort into it than, that, than the length of a Star Wars movie. 
I mean, days and weeks and months, like trying to. Please send me a link. I want to see it. Yeah, we got them on Vimeo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they terrible, but they weren't they weren't compelling enough to make anybody want to sit down and watch them. Apparently. Oh, I'm just kidding. That's all a good. Lot of the dialogue, I think, was the issue. We're trying to describe like this is what this is a story of what will happen, and yeah. the stories would take too long to tell without, I think, enough visual backup. And we realized, like you were saying, with luminosity, with the gamification part of it, we can switch off the tutorials a lot sooner. And so we found that that did better because they go, well, "What's the next step?" I'm like, "Oh, well, if you want to continue, you can click over here." Instead yeah. of just going, okay, we get another video to watch. Like, all right, what's the one we're learning now? And a lot of people just want to get in there and just start punching buttons. That's another thing we found out too. So the video pops up, they just want to get past it. But if you gamify it and the little dude pops up and there's things to click and do, then they're much more likely to interact with it and have a better time. That's cool. But he, he just real quick to my hope, my last great hope for video, he has <laughs> let me like toy around with this because I think everybody was wanting to like throw something at me when they're like, another video, these aren't working. I'm like, ah, crap. But our marketing seems to be working a little bit better. We're just testing some stuff right now with some with some videos, and we're actually doing a little cartoon work based on. We all play this game, uh, Clash of Clans. I don't know if you heard of that before. No. It's a mobile game, but it was kind of the the impetus to to work on gamifying the system. Um, Jacob Fry has been playing this thing, and Matt was like, "How long have you been playing this?" Like years, literally years, and yeah. it's like literally just pops in five to ten minutes mm -hmm. a day and does does the things he needs to do to maintain his 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 clan village or whatever we call it. And okay. So that's the idea is like our, our agents need, like we don't want technology should not be uh, a chore. Like technology should serve us. Yeah. And unfortunately that's, it's really easy to build things and be like, well, if you just jump through all these hoops, but especially real estate agents, like they're like, they, they're great at what they do because they're good at talking to people. Yeah and building relationships. And if you want to make them do a bunch of technical work, they're not going to do it. <laughs> so anyway, so Clash of Clans is one of the most popular mobile games in the world. So we've, we've actually kind of formatted our, our game gamified, like the internal system to like teach you how to use it off of that. So that's worked really well, but they also make really funny videos. So we're working on some of that to kind of like highlight some of the challenges that agents have with, mm. with Zillow and some of the other things to kind of illustrate that. Thankfully, that's starting to work a little bit better because agents get it and they're like, they're laughing. I'm like, hey, they're laughing, and which is funny for me because I'm not naturally funny at all. So, <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm really happy about that. That's okay. Um, all right, we're gonna shift gears. I have a few simple, short questions, and then we're gonna jump into my favorite segment of the show. Uh, just so everyone knows, how much does Listing Village cost per month? It's twenty dollars a month for your Pretty own easy. website, your own map. And everything long-term contracts or month to month it's month to month i mean our theory is if we aren't delivering something extraordinary you, you shouldn't stay you shouldn't use our service i mean we, we people should expect something extraordinary and that's that's what we're working to deliver what um email services and crms do you guys work with we have a basic crm plugged into the system contact information uh you can see their properties that they've saved so you can set up a property tour we've got listing alerts and some drips Okay, so, oh, so, so all, all the email marketing is handled directly through you guys as well. Yeah, you can attach other services to it. In fact, we encourage it. A lot of agents now are using a tech stack um, okay. to find something. And that's the thing is we want this platform to work well with other things, maybe a set of CRMs that you like better. Um, but the base CRM, we found a lot of agents were, they would, get, they would buy these CRM systems. They're like, well, what are you actually using here? 
It was like nothing. Or they're way behind. They haven't updated forever. So we're like, okay, they need to build it to see what the their home buyers are looking at. Here's your list of homes you're interested in. I can add notes and I can contact them through email, text, or phone. And that's what we focused on. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Um, okay, this one's not really a short one, but I, I have to hit you with it. I think I know the answer you guys are gonna have, but I just wanted to ask you guys since you know a lot of the guests we've had on the show actually work with products that go directly to consumer. Um, but I, I liked you guys because I thought that you guys were, even though the product is for agents, you know, you're selling to agents, I thought that it was very consumer centric in the way that you're going about it. So I got to ask the question, the debate of whether or not agents will be around forever. Where do you guys stand on that, on that debate? Well, you get further and further when we talk about the singularity, right? All human jobs will eventually be replaced. But <laughs> as I see it, it's actually coming down to where we, the, the agents being enabled by the technology. And we actually see that the number, what was it, we're looking at NARS growing. So it's one of those things where you need that trusted advisor and people are going to be willing to pay for that. Now, whether the same structure commission thing exists far off into the future, uh, I believe that agents will always be around because people will be willing to spend the money to have an advisor through this process. I mean, agents yeah. are out there. They market the, how do you market a house? How many times in your life do you, would you have to go out and market your own home? You know, so we give the agents the tools to help them do that. The lawyers, uh, they're walking you through the, 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 the process of the, you know, the mortgage. They walk you through the, the closing. I mean, they're, and they're also acting as a third party helping deal with the dilemma of choice, right? They're advising you on neighborhoods. They understand the personalities. They're super networkers. And so they're going to have a good understanding of a neighborhood and a home that's going to fit you. And they're a third party to it to that purchasing decision. So they can stand yeah. back and, yeah, I know you guys are excited, but I'm just really not seeing this as, as the house you need. Just wait a few more months and usually these things will open up here. Yeah. There's statistics to demonstrate that too. I think it's in the last decade or so, the number of FISBOs has dropped by 20% from 20% of the market to about 8%. Wow. Obviously that means real estate agents picked up those home sales. I mean, picturing a world where you're gonna trust random people to come into your house and you know, kind of poke around and, and hope that they don't, you're not, you know, casing the joint or even pilfering while they're there. Like an agent, like the reason why agents have to be licensed is because they have a fiduciary responsibility for every house that they show mm -hmm. and they have to make sure that they're like, they're taking care of them. But I, I honestly, I, I think we have to bring up the Z estimate to really address this. Uh, yeah. Think about this. Zillow is a multi-billion dollar company and their Z estimate is perpetually wrong. They're always explaining this. It's kind of like, it, I mean, it's, it's kind of embarrassing how much they have to explain, oh, well, these different things. Like Zillow can't take into account, did you just like completely remodel the kitchen and the bathroom? They don't know that. It's all based on an algorithm and it doesn't know that right. travertine floors and new marble and all this other stuff. They don't, and they don't know, you know, if the house next door, hey, there's, <laughs> the doge has awoken and is just uh recircling his bed here yeah i'm just gonna readjust could you be quiet guys <laughs> yeah so um it doesn't know like why you know why was a house a short sale next door and that drives down the value of your home and so we see this a lot we had an agent uh the z estimate in little rock you can buy a lot of house for for seven hundred fifty thousand five hundred thousand dollars the agent lived in a gated community with like equestrian courses. He has his own lake in the backyard. It does really well for himself. The Z wow. estimate that his home was worth $550,000. And he's like, I've been a real estate agent for 30 years and that's not right. 
and two months later he sold it for seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. So the estimate is perpetually wrong. So mm -hmm. trusting that a computer algorithm can correctly value a home like it's being proven day in and day out for over a decade now that Zillow can't get that right. And that's a really important part of the home buying process is, am I getting what my home's worth or am I buying, getting a good deal on this house? Real estate agents can, can tell you that kind of thing because they're constantly in there and they can make the comparisons that are qualitative mm -hmm. that a quantitative analysis apparently can't get right. Hmm. Man, I just, I love, I love it when people are so definitive on their opinions. You guys are my new best friends. I'm a nerd. Uh, sorry. <laughs> All right. We're going to shift gears. We're going to jump into the game I call For the Future. Uh, For the Future is a segment where I ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Gentlemen, you ready to play? All right. Let's All go. right. You each have to give answers to these. Okay, great. Um, what does Listing Village look like one year from now? We'll be coast to coast. Uh, in terms of like the the homes that a home, that a home buyer can see on an individual agent, I mean the agent's website, it gets back to that idea like never everything out of stock. What if a home buyer just gets curious and wants to know what beachfront property in Malibu or, you know, what's a high rise apartment in in downtown Chicago? What's that cost? If they're in, you know, Cleveland, Ohio, or Little Rock, their home buyer needs to not have to leave their website. So uh, right now we're from Nashville to Tulsa. And we'll have the rest of the South on in the next several months. And then we'll, we'll eventually an agent's website will be literally their own personal MLS. It'll cover coast to coast. So I'm going to kind of answer part of the question we just had before, which is 80% of real estate transactions are still done through referrals. It's ultimately, you know, a social system, right? right? Yeah. So now that we've set up this platform, where agents have their own personal Zillow map and we've added these other features to it, the base CRM and the listing alerts and all this stuff. What we're really getting down to on the development side of it is how can we better facilitate interactions between the home buyer and the real estate agent and between real estate agents. So for example, agents in our area will often coordinate open houses and uh, new subdivisions. Yeah. And we would like to start building tools into the system to help them coordinate uh, open houses, uh, they have realtor open houses and communication between real estate agents and really get that social network effect going inside the system. That's good. Question number two, what will the housing market look like one year from now? Oh gosh, I'm the wrong person to answer this because I, I thought that it would never go, like in the last decade, I thought it would just keep going up and up and up and uh, I bought some rental property and- Good for you. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got one duplex left that I can't sell. But uh, you trying to sell it? Not actively right now. But uh, uh, an unscrupulous mortgage broker is not in the business anymore. Told me that it was worth a lot more than it turned out it was worth. So I've been upside down making payments out of my own pocket for a while. Oh yeah, you can keep that. I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah, if you want a terrible piece of property, I'll sell it to you. No, I, literally a decade ago. I remember a friend of mine who's who's now in like uh, a budget officer for our state government was telling me, man, this there's some cracks in this this market. This isn't going to keep going this way. So, and I was like, no, as long as you can cash flow your property, which most people weren't cash flowing properties. They were trying. They were just hoping that somebody else would pay them a crazy higher price for it. Yep. And you know, it's musical chairs, and the music stopped playing. I'm not the best person to predict that because. 
other than the fact that I, you know, now I know that I could be wrong about stuff. I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't have a good prediction on what the real estate market is going to be in a year. Cause all right. Yeah. Matt. Well, I mean, it, there tends to be uh, trends in the economy, right? So it could, it's got to cool off at some point. It seems like we've been hitting it on firing all cylinders. Everything's been working pretty well for the U S economy. So you'd expect to slow down at some point. And that's one of the reasons like we had the base price of the system set at 20 bucks per month, you know? So as the markets change, you can change your ad budget. Or like you said, you know how to market yourself. You know, you can make those determinations and the base price of the platform. We're not yeah. going to, you know, if there is a downturn, we're not going to price you out of the system. Yeah. And I, I would say, uh, uh, I can tell you from some of the guests that we've had on the show, we've had now, you know, Chuck from one rent and, uh, we've had, uh, uh, renters warehouse on the market or, or on the show here. And, um, you know, from, from, from the things that they've told me, the combination of the two companies, they have over 4 billion single family homes that they manage for property management. Wow. And, uh, they've both said rents are softening. So I'm going to go with, if rents are softening, then we're hitting some caps, right? You can't rent more than 30% of someone's income because that puts you at liability as a rent landlord, puts your tenant at liability of unable to afford basic needs. Uh, so I think we're, you're right towards a slow, but that's my, that's my assumption. So that's a natural lead into question number three is when will the next big boom or bust happen in real estate? Oh gosh. I'm really the wrong person to answer this. I, I really thought I was really smart a decade ago. And I think that I, I've gotten humbled a lot by that. And it made me start to think, all right, I, I don't know if I can make predictions. Yeah, like there's that. no pressure because I'm recording this and I'm <laughs> quoting you on this. Yeah, can you edit that last part out? I, I sounded kind of dumb. No, I don't. I Honestly, I don't. I don't know. I mean, there's there's that's OK. Things that's that an acceptable about, answer. Like rates and insurance or interest rates and all those other things. and. You know, are people moving in and out of the market? We were, so when we were out in San Francisco, uh, I was really surprised. I guess I shouldn't have been at how expensive it was to live there. One mm. of our, we read an article on the, on the way out there that Matt sent me and said, the, the poverty line is now $117,000 a year in San Francisco. And we had an Uber driver that was telling us that she knows people that commute, like get up at two in the morning to get to work by eight because they have to live so far away. I mean, that areas like that seem like, can it possibly be sustainable? And, and you know, eventually, you know, companies will start to say, well, maybe if we uh, set up business in, in Austin or St. Mm -hmm. Louis or somewhere else, and, you know, we, if we could find good programmers there. Yep. I don't know that, but that, that's the only thing I've seen, which, which is, but it's hyper-focused on just my personal experience. Uh, it's all yeah. Like, Matt? Uh, I think it's going to come down to the college loan issue. Uh, we're going to have a delayed entry in the market by millennials. Uh, we, because you expect this, whole, like we were talking about earlier with our advertising, where we advertise based on life events. Um, in the future, are those life events going to be affected by debt incurred during the early 20s? Are they going to be able to get mortgages on these homes? And so, are you going to have people? Uh, are they not going to be able to fill that gap? As you know, was the baby boomers? Everybody's not purchasing anymore. They're, they're done. And so you're going to need this new, these new home buyers into the market. Yeah. Uh, and are they going to be able to? The college loan thing is so big. Uh, I'm jaded because I got plenty of them. Mm. I pay my bills every month, but 
one thing I, uh, I, I wish I could find, I gotta find the article again, but you, you hit the nail on the head on that one. So, um, you know, you can make numbers say whatever you want. And the, the number of defaults in college loan is, are actually down. So what does that mean? That if I gave you that headline, you'd say, man, people are paying their debts. That's good. The number of college loans in forbearance are up. <laughs> oh yeah. No, we're just not paying the loans. You know, so uh, I think you're right. Um, auto industry says they're healthy, but I beg to differ. Um, since when did a Ford call a Ford truck cost 60 grand? Hey, uh, 72 month lease. You too can get a brand new car. Hey, 96, yeah. 96 months is a really good deal. I'll tell you what though. You can buy a Bentley coupe from 2004 for 39 grand. I found one the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought about buying it, you know, shooting some Ty Lopez inspired videos <laughs> and then just selling that thing and whatever I lost calling it good. <laughs> can can we get like a secondhand education though? Like, can I get a used education from a college at a, at this because it that's a great I'll give you one of those. Look, it's just one ninety nine a month. Swipe up to find out more. All right, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> All right, question four, final of the for the future. What's one thing you believe will fade away or dramatically change in real estate as a result of technological advances? Zillow. Did I hear that in the background too? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, and we know it. It's a, they're they're an expensive middleman that only exists because they were first to market. The agents and the brokers control the listings. Zillow is literally standing between home buyers and real estate agents. And as soon as we have, okay, so think about it this way: you've got Keller Williams is a tech company now. You've got uh, Remax has recently purchased uh, a technology company to develop their platform. Realogy, of course, invests an incredible amount of money in this. And so it's just a matter of time before these tools are available for real, individual real estate agents and Zillow is completely irrelevant. They don't even have the audience because Google and Facebook are really the, the key to getting people to your website. So they can mm -hmm. put out as many Super Bowl ads as they want, but they still got to go through Google and Facebook in order to get people to go to their site. But well, it's funny because uh, years and years ago, back when I thought I was really smart, I was in college, I was interning in Washington and my roommate was from Arkansas and this guy, was a state champion running the, the 800 meter for a small town in Arkansas. And he was running track for Stanford at the time. And we would talk about like, what's life like in Arkansas, what's going on in Arkansas, what's life like at Stanford. And one night he said, I'm thinking about dropping out of school. And I was like, man, Stanford's a pretty good school. You should probably stay there. And he was like, yeah, but I got this friend who has this idea about paying for things on the internet. And I think it's a pretty good idea. So I think I'm going to do it. So at 21 or so, my friend's, my friend's friend, Peter Thiel, talked him into dropping out of Stanford and going working for PayPal, and he ran the eBay product team. Wow. And so a 21, 22-year-old kid was r like running the product team that ended up like beating eBay's own payment system on their own website. But Zillow, and that, that's where I'm going with that, is Zillow is really like eBay at this point in a Shopify world. Like power sellers are not the place to have stores on the internet anymore. Like, cause you're completely commoditized on eBay now. Like I, and I, until recently when somebody wrecked my car on the parking deck, thank you for their, you know, owning up in their insurance company paying for it. <laughs> I, I, I like to, I like to work on my car. So I would order parts off eBay. And the thing I loved about it was all these sellers are completely commoditized. Yeah. And real estate agents 
and and people that can build their brand don't need to be a commodity on a big clearinghouse website like eBay or Zillow when they live in a world today where you can have your own e-commerce website, you can have your own map that's better than Zillow on your own website. Why would why would you uh, why would you do that? And mm. I think Matt really touched on something there about Zillow being something that is going to uh, become irrelevant. That is as big of a company as they are and as much money as they spend on that on marketing, they can't even come close to spending as much as a single real estate agent can spend to market one house. Now mm. the real estate the real estate industry as a whole spends about nine billion dollars a year marketing, which is nine times how much Zillow spends on like their entire annual expenses and they still haven't turned a profit. I mean, that's a pretty remarkable thing to think about. And that even take into account how much money mortgage workers spend about $25 billion a year marketing. So wow. as, low, as big as they are and as, as, as big as they seem, they're really a drop in the bucket compared to what real estate agents who they're actively, I mean, they, they try to seem like they're your friend, but they're, they're kind of at war with real estate agents. They're mm -hmm. making it real estate agents fight like it's hunger games for their own home buyers. When in reality, as Matt said, real estate agents and brokers are the ones that own all this data. Hmm. And it's, it's, it's kind of, we're coming to like a loggerhead in the next few years where real estate agents are actively, their brokerages are actively trying to like rest back control of technology. And so that's for us, this is really about like just giving an individual real estate agent the opportunity to build their own brand completely apart from some brand that's making them compete to keep their own home buyer. This will be the one episode that the Inman group actually likes me for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they'll be like, yeah, finally he gets it. Um, you see, I appreciate you guys, you know, being straightforward with it. This is the whole point of this is to drive discussion, find out what's happening out there. Were you in the room when Gary Keller and uh, Brad Inman were up on stage together? No, I was in the lobby, probably talking, advertising with someone. Oh gosh. Well, yeah, it's important to follow your business, but you missed the best, the best part of the I whole. did watch that entire uh, uh, video. Um, you know, as a former Keller Williams agent, I read the MREA. MREA. Yeah. yeah. And that was why, I mean, that was the convincing factor other than being recruited by Ben Kinney, why I became wow. an agent, you know? So between Ben giving me the book and then me reading it and being like, Hey, I could probably do this. Why am I working for an ad tech company? I should, I should be working real estate full time. I knew that. Um, but yes, so gone. Anyway. Oh, Gary it's Keller. just, it was, Gary Keller was like Gary Keller is, which I mean, he's, he's bombastic, but he's right. Like real estate agents are, they're being not, not just taken for granted, but kind of abused by the companies that make their bread and butter off of them. You know, Zillow is nothing if real estate agents and mortgage brokers don't spend their ad dollars through them. Hmm. That's, you think that if you if that if that's your customer, you would want to help serve them and make their lives better and easier. Yeah, and help them be successful. And their whole system is designed. I say like Hunger Games, like they're having to like fight other agents when they ought to be getting along with other agents, saying, "Hey, I got this home buyer. Uh, you know, you got this listing. Let's let, let me show your house." Yeah, uh, Zillow is like, "Hey, have you met this agent? Hey, have you met this agent? Have you met this agent?" Like. It's, it's a speed dating thing almost, and it, and it cheapens what real estate agents do, <laughs> which, is, which is being a trusted advisor and building a relationship. And that's, that's so essential, especially in, in, this kind yeah. of, in this kind of process. All right, let's wind it down here. We got the last three, and then we'll close it out. Uh, 
Fellas, what are you reading? What books, blogs, websites, magazines? What do you read? Oh gosh. Uh, where do I start? I got a big stack. <laughs> um, I really like uh, how Google works and uh, measure what matters. I've been I've been tearing into those recently. I mean, it's this is one of our challenges is that we've got so many things that we can do, but we also have to remember like there's only so much bandwidth, so we need to like figure out what our objectives and key results are. But I'd say yeah. a cornerstone book for our company has been it's been. Uh, somebody, I thought somebody was trying to tell me something. Essentialism by Greg McEwen. I don't know if you've read that. Not yet. It's on the list. Dude, jump Good. that to the front of your list because it will help you clear up the rest of your list. All right, deal. Uh, Maybe that's why I haven't gotten to it. <laughs> yeah, you got to be an essentialist. I think this is key. Like, we, That should be the tagline for this book. You haven't read this yet because you don't get it. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> we'll, I'll submit that. But essentialism is something that, I, that I've read and reread and we, like our team here has, has read and studied that because uh, like Jacob Fry, he's a natural assist, uh, essentialist and it took us reading that book to be like, oh, that's what you're doing to tell us to stop wasting our time chasing other things. Like just focus <laughs> on serving our customer and like what will help them be more successful and just yeah. the exclusion of everything else. And, and that's been fantastically good. So for me, I actually, one of the most interesting developments has been Google's new feed, their news feed has gotten really, really good. I used to subscribe to different things on Reddit and I would kind of try to organize my news feed that way, but it is scarily good at figuring out things I'd be interested in reading and then popping them right in a little convenient feed. I mean, that's been my recent addiction, I think is going through different news stories and it pulls stuff from Emmett all the time into it and yep. other topics I'd be interested in. So I'm following, you know, technology blogs and yep. those it's very handy. Hey, I want to throw another book in there that, I, that Do it. has been really helpful to it for us as well. Uh, Landon has been, he actually got out and just went and found this book and was like making copious notes about it. And I was like, what are you reading? It's called Managing the Unmanageable. Okay. And it's it's really kind of one of the challenges of, of building a technology company is like, how do you manage these processes that are constantly in flux? Like this isn't like we're making widgets here. Like you never like, I'll say like, hey, hey, this is a good idea. We should do that. And Matt's like, well, there's gonna be a little programming involved in that. <laughs> like, words, like, you're you're writing checks with like, with ideas that are gonna be really like difficult to catch in terms of like programming time. And managing the unmanageable is a really great book to kind of understand like, the programmer's mind and like they're really more like artists than engineers. Yeah. In terms of like what they do, like they have to be very creative and come up with solutions and hacks that you like that don't seem obvious. And uh, I highly recommend that if you're if you're if you're ex like moving beyond just like programming things yourself to actually like working with other programmers and trying to like move the ship all in the same direction. That's solid. Um, who are you guys learning from? We have a really great mentor network. Um, and especially has been developed and cultivated here in Central Arkansas recently. They've opened up a tech park and a venture center, and then recently the 10X Accelerator, uh, Jeff Shambridge and Jeff Amarine, and those guys have been extraordinarily helpful, especially as they come in the like Jeffs. a, yeah, the Jeffs, there's about startup Jeffs. There's every, if you're a startup in Arkansas, you need to be named Jeff. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Charlson, a uh, former uh, guy at uh, Walmart, was extraordinarily helpful. Hmm and kind of setting our focus too to real individual real estate agents and explaining to us, you know, trying to deal with, 
you know, if we deploy this with larger organizations, how does that work? So it's actually been really nice, especially because you have Walmart, that's uh, pretty close, uh, just a day drive away for us. And uh, the, uh, luckily the governor too has been focused on technology development and mentorship. So you have people that are being encouraged to come out and share their time and experience and feedback with you. So that's been great. That's good. Yeah, I, I want to echo Jeff Charlson. He came and spoke to us at our at this 10x accelerator, which was a which was an accelerator for businesses that were already a certain level of revenue and, and weren't just like a nascent idea. And he he ran uh, a, a division of like I may be describing this wrong, but he ran a section for Walmart's vendor management office, basically like not the people that wanted to sell you like socks or something like that, but the people want to sell technology to Walmart and really opened our eyes. And he's real self-effacing about this, but we, we told him that's last time we saw him that it helped us because we were going in to meet with, with a larger uh, corporate office of one of the, one of the larger uh, real estate brokerages. And he was like, you need to understand that you've, you, you can really get in over your head very quickly. And so that, mm -hmm. that helped us scale back to be like, well, maybe we don't need a great big deal with a big brokerage because we can individually reach real estate agents and like it, real estate agents are independent contractors. Like they, they can make their own decisions about this sort of thing. And that really helped us yeah. a lot. I think the, when we were at Inman, I don't know if you saw the what webmasters wish they could tell brokers thing, but Matt, like, I think that was really eye-opening. Yeah, well, it's, it's for the an individual real estate agent can make a, purchase decision and a technology decision very quickly, but brokerages tend to take more time. I think they were saying that, you know, it's like, oh, it takes like six months for us to get the deal through or six months to get everybody onboarded. And then you have to actually help the agents use it yes. and find the value in it. And then the brokerage doesn't come back with the feedback of our agents don't use it. So we're cutting the service. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so if the individual agents making the purchase decision, then they've already got some buying in it. They're going to yep. set it up. And like we said, we're focusing on their brand. Good. So it was really helpful us instead of going, well, we can get into this giant group with thousands and thousands of agents at once. Uh, or, you know, that could take forever. You're going to be sitting there pursuing this. <laughs> or, you know, what we really set out to do in the beginning was give technology tools to the individual agents so they can have a level playing field. And then, and yeah. Very cool. Last one. Uh, what inspires or keeps you guys inspired? I absolutely love programming and building new things. And that is the best part about this is because there are so many technological needs uh, for real estate agents that it, there is constantly a new thing to solve. And you talked about that earlier, you know, how do we get all the data together? God, that was fun. I know most people think it's boring, so I'm not gonna talk about it too much, but we came up with a really novel way to handle the data. And one of the first programmers before Jacob, I tried hiring, it was one of those guys who was like, well, you're not supposed to do it that way. I'm like, yeah, but this way works. Like this is much more, the code runs much faster this way. <laughs> and so it's like, you get to solve these little problems constantly. So you're kind of, you're, it's, 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 it's little highs, you know, throughout the day of like, oh, I got to fix this. Okay, great. That's working. And then you get to see people use it. So you're building tools that are being used by people okay. having an effect and you get to constantly be challenged mentally. So it's, it's, it's incredibly engaging for my end. Yeah. Uh, something that I see a lot in, uh, in startups is I feel like, uh, some people approach a startup from the wrong, with the wrong motivation of, of like having a, a big exit and there's nothing wrong with, with having an exit or an IPO or something like that. 
but the problem that I see in that is like, we love building the company in the same way Matt loves doing that. Like we have the opportunity every day to get up and serve our customer and make their lives better and help them be successful at what they do. And that to me, what was it? Uh, somebody actually, yeah, I was listening to Y Combinator podcast with Mark Zuckerberg and they said, it was really cool. Cause he said the same thing that Matt said after we had, we had been in a CEO round table and the people just kept saying, well, my goal is to sell my company and live on the beach. And they got to us and we were both like on the same page. It was like, uh, I just want to build a great company. And one of the guys said, well, what if they offered you a hundred million dollars for it or something? I'm like, well, that just give me more resources to go do the same thing I'm already doing. And, and Zuckerberg said the same thing on, I think it was Sam, Sam Altman was interviewing him on the YC podcast. And I was like, I think you have to really love what you're doing. You have to like, like to us, like this is the biggest, most fun game in the world. Like it's, it's serious, but at the same time, like we get constantly, constantly have challenges thrown at us and we're like, okay, how do we solve this problem? And you know, as I've told you, like I make stupid mistakes all the time, like video that didn't work very well. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I think that probably is what, what inspires me the most. It's just like getting up every day and getting like, I never really get tired of working on this because like, it's just one big challenge every day. Solid. Daniel, Matthew, this has been awesome. Uh, thank you guys so much for taking the time. Um, this is our longest episode ever. So we can get ourselves pats on the back. <laughs> but no, you guys, I mean, you really went in and, and shared a lot. You pulled back the curtain. Um, I think uh, I love the enthusiasm. I'm sure that your partners and those you're working for, uh, all your customers appreciate that. Uh, before we head out, how do people get connected to you and learn more about Listing Village? So listingvillage.com. And of course, we got chat and other contact information if people want to call and ask questions. Matt at listingvillage.com if you want to email me. Yeah, they can email me at daniel at listingvillage.com. They go to the website and if they get there and they're like, this is confusing, they can email me like, uh, this doesn't make sense. And then I'll try <laughs> to make it better. Um, yeah. But yeah, they just go to our website or email us. And maybe we'll get that link to that video and we'll put that in the, in the show notes. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I'll send you that and then I'll send you like our successful, like the cartoon and, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it, it will make sense to you like I, like I think it does. So, All right. Well, for our listeners, why don't you go, go ahead and check them out. I think uh, what they're doing, if you're an agent, uh, it might be very interesting to you. Uh, if you're not an agent, it might still be interesting to you, but probably more so if you're an agent. Um, until next time, uh, hopefully I'll get a, a chance to catch you guys when I'm in Palo Alto. I can't tell you next time I'll be in Central Arkansas, but you know, next time I just happen to be swinging through, uh, I'll give you guys a buzz. We'll, we'll, we'll catch up. Awesome. Thanks, Nate. This awesome. was a lot of fun. Thanks. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to the TechNest podcast. Hey, don't forget, you can get on the email list. You never miss an upcoming episode. That's technest.io. That's T-E-C-H-N-E-S-T dot I-O. Get on the email list. Uh, go to the App Store, whether you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you found us. Leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. And if you've got a guest or someone that you'd like to recommend, or if you think that you'd be a great guest on the show, hey, send me an email, nate at realteampanda.com. That's nate at realteampanda.com. See you guys later.